Okay, good afternoon. This is Richard Shu, host of Shu Untied. Today I'm very pleased and thrilled to have with me my guest, Ken Clark, who's a partner at Wilson Sonsini. Ken, welcome to the show. Good, uh, Richard. Good to be here. So, Ken, um, I've known you for obviously many years. We're in a very similar practice, but tell me a little bit about how you got started in this practice, how you got started this firm. How did you, and specifically in your case, how you got into this very interesting life sciences practice, which I know you have? Well, let me start just by talking about how I ended up in Palo Alto. Yeah, please. Um, you know, I was in law school at the University of Texas and just thinking about what, what to do. And I was looking at um, New York, L.A., Atlanta, where I came from originally, and, and, and then also Northern California. And I, I think it really came down to uh, two or three things. One was the, it was, this was 1984, 1985, and it was just a, it was just at the start of Silicon Valley, at least from a popularity perspective. I mean, Silicon Valley had been around for a long time, but, but, but Apple had just gone public in 1980, 1978, that time frame. And so Silicon Valley was just getting on the public rate, you know, the, on the radar, public radar. Um, so that caught my attention. It was a high growth, you know, high opportunity time. And so that was, that was probably the main thing hmm. uh, compared to New York, which was a more mature market. LA was more entertainment oriented. Uh, and Atlanta just was more regional. There really weren't many companies headquartered there. Um, but then beyond that, it was just the intellectual uh, capital here, just compared to L.A., for example. Not that, not that there's not intellectual capital there, but it's just the focus of the intellectual, I don't know, the, the, the um, profile of the, of the people here. I'll never forget the cab driver who took me from the hotel to my interview in Palo Alto, had a PhD in physics. Uh, so just one of those things you remember. Uh, and also, of course, the, it's just a beautiful area. Well, tell me a little bit how then, how did your practice, how did your practice kind of start? I mean, did you start off with this life sciences practice or did that kind of evolve over you know, time? You know, I, started, I came out that... originally just to do venture capital. I, I always knew I wanted to be a business lawyer. So I came out to do primarily uh, venture capital IPOs. I started at Pillsbury Madison Sutro, Partly because they had represented a guy named Arthur Rock, who you may know was mm. one of the original venture capitalists. In fact, his wife was a uh, was a partner there. So I was really I really hadn't wasn't focused at all on biotech, and I just kind of stumbled into it about in in the mid after a couple of years, 1987 timeframe. Uh, just so happened I worked for uh, a partner there who had a, had a lot of biotech company clients, and I just started working on those. And two or three things happened. One is um, I really like the people. So they're, again, kind of back to the intellect. A lot of these people have PhDs, scientists, you know, it's a different mentality than, you know, back then, which was software, PCs, that type of thing. Uh, so, so that was good. But also the types of deals those companies were doing. This was, again, 87 timeframe. And I'll never forget, I was in a board meeting with a well-known venture capitalist, and he said, you know, that... These strategic alliance transactions, that's what I'm talking about. He said these strategic alliance transactions are the future of the industry because these biotech companies have to raise so much capital uh, and you just can't raise that much venture capital. So that really got my attention that, wow, these are, uh, these are kind of large, interesting transactions. They're sort of the wave of the future. 
you looked around, no one had expertise in them. Um, and so I started doing them. And then, then I found that I really liked doing the work. I had always wanted to be, a, a, be in business. And as you know, the business content of those deals is so high that it all kind of came together. And, and so focusing on partnering transactions in the biotech field just that's what I ended up doing. So when you when you kind of look back at your now what thirty year career, are there any particular clients or particular deals that kind of leap out of your mind that was kind of you know really kind of really stand out in your memory? You know, you know there are, and of course it's all sort of um, it gets better and better, right? So every every few years there's there's one that's even better than the last one. So this is kind of biased by you know recent experience. The the one that stands out above all the others was a company called Pharmacyclics. I don't know if you know that we sold. They were sold. Uh, in tw- 2015 for $21 billion. So that was quite a ride. And when I first started working with them, uh, they had a, sort of a long story, but they had a new management team came in in the 2009 timeframe. I think their market cap was, well, you know, they were trading at about 90 cents a share um, and they sold for 262.50 a share. So <laughs> do the math. Um, it was probably in the, Fifty million, fifty million dollar range. So, and and they had their lead program had just failed. Management washed out. One of their big investors, Bob um, um, Bob Duggan, came in and took over as CEO. So they were pretty much a startup at that point. They really hadn't, you know, they were they were they really had nothing. They were looking around for what to do. So it was really, although the company had been around for a long time, we were getting in on the ground early stages. So we went from preclinical to approval and the sale for $21 billion in six years. Hmm. So it was a pretty amazing ride. I ended up, um, we, we started off with a few smaller deals. Then we did a very large, uh, very successful partnering transaction with uh, J&J in 2011. Um, and then based on that, I ended up actually on the board. So I was a, on the on the board. And then Took it from there to approval, a billion dollars in sales, and and a twenty-one billion dollar exit. So, um, not only as a lawyer, we did some great you know transactions there, but just being on board for that kind of ride and all just seeing all the things that happened that was amazing. Now you mentioned you obviously you you said you talked about how you like being a business person. Did you ever think about joining one of these companies you know, or becoming, uh, you know, VP of corporate dev or even maybe being the CEO of a startup or anything like that? Definitely. Yeah. You know, in fact I did, I was in house for about a year and a half from 92 to 93. That was a, so when I came, I started at Wilson, I came here. I mean, I started at Pillsbury Madison Sutro and came here in 1989. Wilson, uh, Wilson didn't have as much of a uh, biotech practice then, so it was about half biotech, half non-biotech. Um, so in that time, I was working with some some tech companies. Ended up uh, as general counsel for a disk drive company called Maxdoor, which um, I'm not, not even sure if they're still around anymore, but that, at the time, they were one of the major disk drive companies. And to be honest with you, um, had had the business gone better, I probably wouldn't be sitting here right now. Mm. I mean, I, I enjoyed that quite a bit. There, as I learned... Um, the disk drive business is a tough business, so it was good for about a year, and then it wasn't so good, mm-hmm. and so I ended up coming back to Wilson and practicing. But um, yeah, I think that certainly along the way, there have been a lot of times where I've thought about doing that. I think at the at the end of the day, you know, I've sort of found my spot, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a lot, as you know, there are a lot of 
good things about being in a, being in a law firm. You have a lot of independence, um, and um, you know, it's at, after a point in time, you kind of have your skill set. And so, does it really make sense to shift gears and start over where you where you really don't have the skill set? So here I am. But yeah, have I thought about it? Absolutely. <laughs> Well, now, obviously, you've obviously found your niche with biotech and life sciences. Do you ever feel like you're missing out on all the other tech companies that, you know, people that the rest of the valley is sort of focused on? Or, or do you kind of feel like, hey, you know, I like my piece or tell me about that? You know, I think, sure, a little bit. You, you, you know, you look at the Ubers and the Googles of the world and you say, wouldn't that be great? Um, but do I regret it? Not, not for a minute. In fact, what happened was in, as I mentioned, during the 90s, I did tech and, not, and, and biotech both in the late 90s if you remember it was the you know internet 1.0 mm-hmm. which was pretty crazy and i actually got disillusioned with that period or with with um you know people were talking about the the new economy and things like that it just made no sense at all and so at that point in time everyone was going was doing that no one people were actually firing biotech company clients and getting out of biotech altogether and so i said based on my time horizon just career wise and sort of how i see the industry evolving over the next 20 years and that wasn't just me it was based on talking to people who you know prominent people who knew and had the had the perspective i said in about 1999 that all i'm going to do from here on out is biotech and that turned out to be one of the one of the better business decisions I ever made. One was coming out here. Mm. That was probably number two. Mm. Um, and so, and, and that was a kind of a long-term perspective because at the time, biotech was not hot at all. It was barely, barely limping along. Um, and it was based on a belief that over a 20 to 25 year time horizon, biotech was really going to take hold based on the biology. And that's happening today. So if you look at, I mean, a company like Pharmacyclics being sold for $21 billion, um, which, you know, at the time seemed crazy, doesn't seem so crazy right now. And I think that that trend is going to continue. I mean, biology, we're just scratching the surface on biology right now. Mm. And it's, it's getting to the point where it's a lot about understanding massive, massive, massive amounts of data, hmm. which, again, we're just scratching the surface on. So, um, yeah, I don't. I, I think it's a great time for biotech. And, you, you, sure, you pass up on that. What you get for that, though, is a depth of understanding of the industry. So having focused on it for as long as I have and, and then focused on it 100% for however long that is, um, last 20 years, you know, I really understand the industry well, mm-hmm. and that's satisfying, right? Mm-hmm. So you really you walk into a room, you pretty much, you're on even, more or less even uh, footing with, with folks who are you know, se- senior executives in the industry, and that's a good feeling. Well, I was you, just going to ask you, so yeah. now, is that even true on the science side? Like, do you find that you can walk into a room and, and be in a biotech science discussion and actually, you know, either understand what's going on or have a pretty good idea? Definitely understand what's going on. And, you know, I, I start off with zero Science. I was in college, and I was more of a computer science, you know, physics type person, mm. and ha- actually had zero background in biology. And so, over many years, um, you know, I, and continue today to make an effort to really understand it. So, if I get involved with a company, um, you know, I'll read up on the on the science and the, on, on their technology and learn it. Um, and so, you know, so today, the you know, I would say I have a good understanding of of it good understanding of the industry as well, not just the science. But it's interesting, what I've found is that 
not necessarily having a deep understanding in a way you rely on your instincts a little bit more mm. and you look at other things like you look at the people, you look at the markets, that type of thing. And, and I would say you know, a pretty good um, feeling about my ability to sort of make judgments and mm-hmm. that type of thing. So I have to kind of operate a, at a less detailed level, mm-hmm. but, mm-hmm. but um, you know, works pretty well, I would say. Now, you said you've obviously had seen a lot of opportunities. You feel like I think at this point you're pretty happy with being the lawyer role. Um, but do you, how about going forward? Do you see yourself ever doing something other than being an outside counsel law firm lawyer? Sure. Do I think about it? Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Will it happen? Um, we'll see. Stay tuned. There you go. Yeah. Well, Ken, it's been a fascinating conversation. I really appreciate you taking the time. If you do, do that, decide to do something else, you'll have to come back and tell me about it. Good, good. Okay. Thanks, Richard. This is Richard yeah, Shu and Ken Clark. Thanks. Thanks.